And joining us now to talk about this vote to subpoena the president. And the president, by the way, came out a little bit ago saying he loves the idea of testifying, saying that he'll talk about the corruption of the committee, how Nancy Pelosi didn't call up the National Guard that he strongly recommended her to do three days before uh, on January 3rd, 2021. So will he testify? Should he testify? Joining us is, I think, the best legal scholar out there, noted law professor, also the author of a great new book. It's called The Price of Principle, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. You know, if Trump does testify, it would be the first testimony that was in any way uncritical of Trump. I mean, this was, uh, you know, nine members of the committee, seven Democrats to get Trump Republicans. And uh, if, you know, there's a judge in New York who once said a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich. To paraphrase him, this committee would have subpoenaed one of Donald Trump's ham sandwiches. Uh, They will vote for anything that's anti-Trump. And nobody should take seriously Anything this committee says, even the New York Times writer today says the committee has accomplished nothing because it was so biased, so one-sided. They knew what their conclusions were going to be before they took one bit of evidence. Look, I'm not a fan of President Trump's actions on January 6th. I don't think he should have made the speech, though it was constitutionally protected. I think he should have done more to try to stop the violence, although that's not a crime. But what I worry about more is the enduring impact on our Constitution of the get Trump at any cost mentality. Don't care about the Constitution. Don't care about the traditions of America. Don't care about the long-term House of Representatives tradition that you always have bipartisan committees. Don't care about that. Just get Trump. That's just un-American. You know, Professor Dershowitz, um, you brought up so many great points here. Um, First off, on the committee not accomplishing anything, as you talk about the New York Times even highlighting that, um, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I wondered, too, and I'm curious your thoughts, was that why they had to kind of come up with this vote today? You know, they kind of changed the status of the hearing to like a business session so they could make this vote. But do you think that that's why they did it? Because they really didn't come up with anything. And the day was mostly a rehash of everything else uh, that we've heard. And again, very one-sided, as you point out. But do you think yeah. that that might have been part of the objective? Oh, we got to have something to justify why we're here. And so let's vote to subpoena Trump at the end and have a headline. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And you think of how silly it is. They say, this is our last meeting. We're not going to have any more hearings. This is it. This is the end. But we're going to subpoena Trump. What are they going to do with him if they're not going to have any more hearings? Um, No, I don't know whether President Trump will want to testify or not. If I were his lawyer, I would say be very careful of putting yourself into a perjury trap by these um, partisans. On the other hand, I think America wants to hear all sides of the issue. And they're not going to hear it from any of the witnesses called by this committee. They're not going to hear it from any of the committee members. So maybe it would be a good thing if uh, former President Trump or somebody on his behalf were to testify or at least offer a differing point of view. It's just not right to have one point. Compare this committee to the 9-11 Commission, which almost everybody believed in their conclusions because it was a nonpartisan, objective committee that was really looking to find out the truth. This one isn't. This is looking to confirm uh, the politics of what they all agreed to before they, they called a single witness.
And also such selective editing. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting, oh, yeah. and, and I saw Professor Dershowitz, and it, it really was stunning to me because today they played the clips, and we'll play a little bit more later on in the show, of Nancy Pelosi. And there she is with Chuck Schumer, and they're talking, they're like, um, you know, things are really bad, and I'm sure it was, obviously. You know, um, let's call, let's get the National Guard, let's get security. Right away it begged the question of, well, why didn't you get it beforehand? Because President Trump has yeah. said, as well as others who contend they were in the same meeting, that he requested the guard beforehand and that there yeah. were other agencies that requested it. And you know it's bad, by the way. Um, it's Lawrence Tribe, who I know you know, put out actually a tweet earlier. It was really interesting and where he essentially says, like, where was Christopher Ray in all of this? You know, because, you know, it's not in a vacuum if suddenly there's issues with security. If they had all this information that there was going to be a lot of security issues and security questions, you know, where were all the other security officials? You know, why, well, you know, you know, question. the FBI would have known. All, it's not like they keep yeah. it in secret. Yeah, I know the, the, the FBI and the Secret Service and the D.C., uh, police authorities. Look, one of the worst offenses was when they showed the American people, I think this was during the first day of the session, they showed President uh, Trump's speech, which I disagree with on, on January 6th, but they left out. They they omitted, they doctored the tape to omit the words, I want you to go down and, and demonstrate uh, patriotically and peacefully. You know, if a lawyer ever did that and showed to a jury a doctored tape like that, that lawyer, would, that lawyer would be disciplined. And this committee has some of my former students on it, which I'm embarrassed about. They ought to act like lawyers, and lawyers don't put uh, uh, selective excerpts of tapes without putting the most important two words, peacefully and patriotically, uh, that the president said. Was that enough? Maybe not. Let the public judge. But to leave those words out, to doctor the tape, to edit them out, that's just unconscionable. And they did that quite a bit. And and again, that was almost the same impression I had when I was listening today, because that was one of the new things was the Nancy Pelosi and the others talking about it. But it just blared the question of, boy, we need other people uh, to come forward to show the other story, to know yeah. what really happened, what didn't happen. But they make it sound like she's suddenly calling for security. And, it, and from what President Trump and the others say, that was far from the case. Yeah, and they never would have been able to get away with this selective editing if they had had uh, some uh, people on the committee. Remember that the Republicans appointed two people, and Nancy Pelosi vetoed them in violation of a 200-year tradition. And then I think the Republicans made the mistake by not putting anybody on the committee in protest. I think it would have been better for the American public if the Republicans had put a few people on the committee and said, look, we, we object to the fact that you vetoed our main choices, but at the very least, let's get some people in there who can ask some hard questions and cross-examine and point out omissions. But the American public is what was uh, really cheated by this one-sided committee report. We're entitled to hear all sides of every issue, and this committee just failed that test. Now, uh, Professor Dershowitz, will President Trump be compelled? Can you, can you explain to us from a legal proceeding? They okay. voted, all right, unanimous, you know, even though it's all partisans, but they voted. Tell us legally what happens here. Well, let me tell you what the right approach is. The right approach is they now have to go to court and get a court to enforce the subpoena. And if the court doesn't enforce the subpoena, Congress should not have the power unilaterally without approval of the court. 
to subpoena anybody, but they've already indicted now two people um, uh, for refusing to obey subpoenas without going to the court. And so we'll have to see how the courts deal with that issue. But the right way to do it is to go to the court, let President Trump's lawyers object, claim lawyer-client privilege, claim executive privilege, claim separation of powers. And if a court ultimately says, Mr. President, you have to testify, as they did in the Clinton case, then he has to testify. But he does not have to testify without challenging it in court just because Congress said he does. He has a legitimate claim that uh, he doesn't have to do that without a court approval. But now you brought up the case of others that have happened to. Um, yeah. And I think about, of course, Steve Bannon. I mean, you know, of he's course, one of the... the arrow, both, well, both, yeah. Yep. So so th- do you think that they're going to do it or do you think they're just going to kind of ramrod it through Congress and treat the president, you know, like they treated Steve Bannon? Well, I think the big beneficiaries of this are going to be Bannon and Navarro, because if they do it to the president, the case is going to get to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court can't duck a case involving trying to put in jail a former president for not complying with a congressional subpoena. And if the Supreme Court takes the Trump case, they inevitably have to rule on the Navarro and uh, and uh, Abandon case. So, you know, that issue is an important issue, whether or not Congress has the power through the criminal law to compel somebody to testify without first going to the court and getting the court to validate the subpoena. So that's an interesting issue. And uh, I think if the president refuses to testify, that's what his lawyers should demand, that they go to court first. Now, um, if he says, uh, yeah, I'm ready to testify, um, will he be able to have anybody questioning him who is not a partisan, not of the nine? Can he do anybody in addition to because he is the former president of the United States or is it the same nine members questioning him and nobody else? Well, if I were his lawyer and I was once, but I'm not his lawyer now, I would say I will testify in front of the committee on condition that my own lawyer can then redirect examine me because they're going to cross-examine him right and let my own lawyer then come in um you can you know appoint somebody or whatever but i want my own lawyer to come in and be able to ask me questions so it doesn't become completely one-sided that would add at least a little bit of balance to the proceeding boy would that be interesting and and it it would be fascinating if he puts them in the box because he's already saying hey you know uh, i'd like to testify and if he says, maybe I'd like to out, but here's my condition. I'm going to bring my own lawyer. Yeah. Can you imagine the public outright if they turn that down? I mean, that, yeah, it really puts them in a box. That down. They will turn that down. And, you know, the public, those who support the, the, the Trump will come out one way. Those who support the Democrats. The New York Times article said not a single percentage point shifted based on these um, uh, hearings that – Everybody was cemented in. Everybody was locked in. Everybody had their views before this happened. And the committee didn't influence very many people to change their views that would have had it been a fair committee and had all sides been presented. But when you get a kangaroo committee like this, thoughtful people are not going to change their mind based on their conclusions. Absolutely. I, you know, 1000 percent. It looks so partisan and it was so blatantly partisan. Um, Alan Dershowitz, thank you so much for being with us late on such an important night and getting your great perspective. And everybody, again, his great book is called The Price of Principle. It's an amazing book. Oh, thank Thank you you so much.
Sure. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 